The law firm of Finley and Fig referred to itself as a boutique firm. This misnomer was inserted as often as possible into routine conversations, and it even appeared in print in some of the various schemes hatched by the partners to solicit business. When used properly, it implied that Finley and Fig was something above your average two-bit operation. Boutique, as in small, gifted, and expert in one specialized area. Boutique, as in pretty cool and chic, right down to the Frenchness of the word itself. Boutique, as in thoroughly happy to be small, selective, and prosperous. Except for its size, it was none of these things. Finley and Fig's scam was hustling injury cases, a daily grind that required little skill or creativity and would never be considered cool or sexy. Profits were as elusive as status. The firm was small because it couldn't afford to grow. It was selective only because no one wanted to work there, including the two men who owned it. Even its location suggested a monotonous life out in the bush leagues, with the Vietnamese massage parlor to its left and a lawnmower repair shop to its right, it was clear at a casual glance that Finley and Fig was not prospering. FNF's address was on Preston Avenue, a busy street filled with old bungalows now converted and used for all manner of commercial activity. Oscar Finley had won the building in a lawsuit 20 years earlier. What the address lacked in prestige, it sort of made up for in location. Two doors away was the intersection of Preston, Beach, and 38th, a chaotic convergence of asphalt and traffic that guaranteed at least one good car wreck a week, and often more. FNF's annual overhead was covered by collisions that happened less than 100 yards away. With only two attorneys, partners, it was of course mandatory that one be declared the senior and the other the junior. The senior partner was Oscar Finley, age 62, a 30-year survivor of the bare-knuckle brand of law found on the tough streets of southwest Chicago. Oscar had once been a beat cop, but got himself terminated for cracking skulls. He almost went to jail, but instead had an awakening and went to college, then law school. When no firms would hire him, he hung out his own little shingle and started suing anyone who came near. Thirty-two years later, he found it hard to believe that for thirty-two years he'd wasted his career suing for past-due accounts receivable, fender benders, slip-and-falls, and quickie divorces. He was still married to his first wife, a terrifying woman he wanted to sue every day for his own divorce, but he couldn't afford it. After thirty-two years of lawyering, Oscar Finley couldn't afford much of anything. His junior partner, and Oscar was prone to say things like, I'll get my junior partner to handle it when trying to impress judges and other lawyers and especially prospective clients, was Wally Fig, age 45. Wally fancied himself a hardball litigator, and his blustery ads promised all kinds of aggressive behavior. We fight for your rights, and insurance companies fear us, and we mean business. Such ads could be seen on park benches, city transit buses, cabs, high school football programs, even telephone poles, though this violated several ordinances. The ads were not seen in two crucial markets, television and billboards. Wally and Oscar were still fighting over these. Oscar refused to spend the money. Both types were horribly expensive, and Wally was still scheming. His dream was to see his smiling face and slick head on television saying dreadful things about insurance companies while promising huge settlements to injured folks wise enough to call his toll-free number. But Oscar wouldn't even pay for a billboard. Wally had one picked out, six blocks from the office at the corner of Beach and 32nd, 
High above the swarming traffic, on top of a four-story tenement house, there was the most perfect billboard in all of metropolitan Chicago. Currently hawking cheap lingerie, with a comely ad, Wally had to admit, the billboard had his name and face written all over it, but Oscar still refused. Wally's law degree came from the prestigious University of Chicago School of Law. Oscar picked his up at a now-defunct place that once offered courses at night. Both took the bar exam three times. Wally had four divorces under his belt. Oscar could only dream. Wally wanted the big case, the big score with millions of dollars in fees. Oscar wanted only two things, divorce and retirement. How the two men came to be partners in a converted house on Preston Avenue was another story. How they survived without choking each other was a daily mystery. Their referee was Rochelle Gibson, a robust black woman with attitude and savvy earned on the streets from which she came. Ms. Gibson handled the front, the phone, the reception, the prospective clients arriving with hope, and the disgruntled ones leaving in anger. The occasional typing, though her bosses had learned if they needed something typed, it was far simpler to do it themselves. The firm dog, and, most important, the constant bickering between Oscar and Wally. Finley and Fig was a tough place for secretaries. The pay was low, the clients were generally unpleasant, the other lawyers on the phone were rude, the hours were long, but the worst part was dealing with the two partners. There were times at Finley and Fig when all three were snarling or sulking, and money was usually the cause. The market was simply overcrowded. There were too many lawyers loose on the streets. The last thing the firm needed was another one.